Hello, hello, hello. What's up, everybody? This is Supriya Mehra, your mortgage advisor, and you're listening to the Canadian Real Estate 101 podcast. More people than ever are building generational wealth through real estate. And on this show, I sit down with some of the top real estate agents, lawyers, accountants, and investors to discuss the ideas, the opportunities, and the strategies that they are taking advantage of so the rest of us can do the same. Oh my God, you guys. Can you believe we celebrate one year of Canadian Real Estate 101 podcast? When I had uh, started this uh, podcast, it was just a fun project, to be honest. I wanted to bring on different guests who could educate and share what they know with all of us who are investing or want to get started in real estate investing. I feel really blessed and grateful to each and every guest who has come in and shared all the value bombs over the last 12 months. Even more grateful for you, our listener. You might be first-time home buyer looking into more information about home buying, or you might be someone who is playing around with the idea of investing through real estate and create that wealth for yourself. I want to acknowledge each and every one of you who has tuned in to at least one episode, followed us on social media, reached out to our guests, or reached out to me personally. It means a lot, truly. So thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Some of you might know that I'm from India, and uh, I came here in 2001 with my family. Month of October is uh, very festive in our culture. We have Navratris, Dushera, Karvachat, and the biggest celebration is, of course, Diwali. Each festivity has some meaning and cultural aspect behind it. Diwali is a festival of light. It means victory of light over darkness. The festival gets its name from a row that is around the of clay lamps that is deep, that Indians light outside their homes to symbolize the inner light that protects from spiritual darkness. In order to celebrate this event, to celebrate you, I invite you to join us on Thursday, October 20th from 12 to 3 p.m. at a restaurant in Mississauga. Please email me at supriyamehramortgages at gmail.com if you'd like to attend and want more information about it. It's open to each and every one of you. Please keep in mind, we do have very limited seats left, so Sooner, the better. Now, second announcement, uh, rate hikes. We expect more rate hikes coming up this year. So if you're in the market for renewal or purchasing a property or simply want to switch from another bank or, to be quite honest, undecided and maybe just want a pre-approval, then we have a promo going on for the month of October. You can get 4.89% for a two-year fixed term at a 25-year amortization. Email me or call me and we can discuss further if this is something that will work out for you. And uh, now let's get to the episode. For today's episode, I have Adriana Ostapenko. Adriana is the founder of Ace Properties and started investing in real estate back in 2016. She co-owns a construction company that was established 12 years ago in the GTA. 
and specialized in multifamily burr projects. Her main focus presently is on restructuring assets to give back to the communities she operates in while expanding her portfolio and reach. In this episode, I pick her brain about, of course, she'll share about her journey on how she got into real estate investing. But if what I really wanted to get out of her was uh, how does she decide which strategy and which market to invest in specifically. She has tons of experience in investing in different markets. So we take a deep dive into what are some of the things she looks into understanding the fundamentals of the market so that um, it will probably be a good investment for her. So without further further ado, let's get rolling. Hey, Adriana, thank you so much for joining us today at Canadian Real Estate 101 Podcast. How are you? I am doing really well. Thank you. How are you? I am doing wonderful. Well, again, uh, grateful for your time. I know uh, this before we kind of hit recording, uh, you have uh, your dad here from Brazil. So it's going to be family time this week for you. And I appreciate you taking out the time for our recording today. So before we get on to the topic for today, why don't you tell our listeners, our audience, a little bit about yourself, who you are, how uh, you and your husband got started in real estate, what's your journey like, and uh, yeah, where, where you are currently. I'm excited about that. Yeah, yeah. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. So uh, I come from a family of, uh, and this has just been highlighted for me now that my dad's here right now, uh, entrepreneurs. My dad's owned his own company for, you know, over 30 years. So then my mom, uh, now we're not, we weren't investors though. So we didn't have the background of investing, especially not real estate specifically. Uh, but definitely just there's an entrepreneurial spirit in our family. So um, I have, how I got into real estate is we have a construction company, interior renovations company outside of Toronto. And uh, that's really what led us to real estate at first. We started working for a couple that has, we're doing high-end flips. And there was a first light bulb moment that came on and I'm like, okay, so do we not just do the the physical work of the renovations, but we can actually own homes like this and make the profits. Um, I sought out some education and got educated on what what is real estate investing all about? How do you get started? Uh, what are the steps or what do I have to think about? And uh, decided to 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 join uh, and start working. We did, we focused on doing really uh, large rental conversion projects uh, at Southwestern Ontario. Uh, we did a few burrs and uh, uh, they really changed our lives. From then on, I started scaling into apartment buildings and we have scaled quite significantly over the last two years uh, in the apartment building space. Uh, and when I say we, my husband and I, he's in the, he still runs our construction company here. I kind of spearhead the real estate side of things. Uh, and we also have two kids, uh, Alex and Amy, and uh yeah, that's kind of our, our story there. And that's what I find typically with uh, real estate. More and more investors I speak with, uh, you know, once they get um, a chance to work in a project, on a project, or have uh, taken that decision to uh, get an asset, I think it's uh, like cocaine. Like, you just can't. <laughs> <laughs> 
I can't say I've ever had cocaine. So. Well, I, <laughs> from what I hear. <laughs> it is addictive. It is addictive. <laughs> and the funny thing is that, it, like I said, you don't stop and whine. Your, your brain is always thinking of new opportunities, different opportunities. Um, your frame of mind just works very differently. And it's, it's so amazing to hear of, uh, how it kind of was a light bulb moment for you. And you actually took the step, educated yourself. Um, I believe you joined a couple of real estate investing groups, communities, surrounded yourself with people who are sort of on a similar path and are doing really big things. And that's such a great, a big inspiration. And that what also pushes you to, you know, challenge yourself and go to the next level and see what's out there and how much you can stretch yourself. So kudos to you for being able to do that. Yeah, thank you. Definitely, you know, um, I, I, I do spend quite a bit of, you know, time and resources into myself and self-development and education and masterminds and networks. And uh, that's a huge part of what I do. Uh, but also, you know, I had a strong why when I was getting started. I mean, there's always needs to be a why uh, in there somewhere, something that's motivating uh, beyond, you know, just money or just general wealth generation, like something that's tangible and you can feel it, you know. Uh, so I, that also helped me, and which was really to support my, not only my kids, but my parents, uh, as well, knowing that my mom immigrated here uh, as a single mom, just with my sister and I, and knowing that she didn't really have any means of retirement. Um, fast forward a few years, she wasn't going to really have, you know, a good quality of life. So I felt the need to to do something about that and to really be able to change our, our family's financial legacy. And uh, I know I'm surrounded with a lot of um, great investors and uh, thankfully through this medium, through the podcast, I'm able to have one-on-one conversation with quite a few of them before and after our recordings typically. And I find uh, like a common um, theme around their, their, our wives, like it's very similar. It's either to support our families, like to kids and, you know, to pass on that generation wealth to them. Um, then I find uh, supporting parents, like aging parents, and you want to take care of them. We want to make sure that uh, they're taken care of, you know, over the next few years while they just retire or they're already retired. They're getting old and stuff like that. Then I find uh option to retire early if, uh, you know, if assets are doing well and you're purchasing or acquiring um, cash flow positives uh, and you're not kind of dependent just on one source of income, you're kind of diversifying yourself. And another interesting thing uh, that I often hear is uh, retiring the spouse so that they can take care of, uh, you know, young families or, uh, growing kids and stuff like that and of course finally like who doesn't love to travel and who doesn't like that freedom <laughs> of time and money right so those are some of the reasons why i think uh, our wives are defined around that so yeah very 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 much similar to uh most of us now for the topic today uh we were discussing about uh there's so many options that you can choose from when it comes to real estate investing. 
first of all, I think that the idea of being the passive investor is um, kind of overglorified. I think you still have to uh, be somewhat active, even if you think that it's passive, you're still spending some time either managing uh, your portfolio or if you're trying to search for, uh, you know, good deals or if it's uh, parking your money through private funding, you still have to do that research, networking and all that fun stuff. Um, so in terms of figuring out what strategy people should go with or which one is right for them, it might be for flipping, uh, you know, just purchasing a pre-construction condo that's going to close after five, six, however many years, or uh, purchasing a single family, duplex, a multi-family. Like it's too many options that I find that sometimes people, our audience might be, what the heck, like, which one do I pick? I have no idea. Uh, should I do this? Should I Airbnb, arbitrage, or short-term renting, you know, mid-term renting, long-term renting? How would you propose that somebody makes a decision on that? And like, how do we crystallize? How does somebody crystallize on which strategy is optimum for them in their situation? A great question. I have this conversation a lot with other investors. First of all, I want to say that it really begins with what the, the passive versus the active. And I want to make a side note. When you said passive is overglorified because you still have to do all these things, I'm going to say that the things they have to do, that means it's not a passive investment. It's an actually an active investment. I think for, there are passive investments out there that are truly, truly passive. Um but we, I think there is a misconception that my investing real estate, just because it has the word investment in it, makes it a passive investment. Um, and that is not the case, which you're right. Like it's, it's not a passive investment. If you are the, the active participant, if it needs, if it requires you to make the deal happen or to keep the deal going or to manage the property, then it's not a passive investment. Right. So. Just wanted to make that because that's the very first question you need to ask yourself. I have people calling me and they say, hey, I'm so inspired by your story. I really want to do what you're doing right now. I'm like, okay, tell me about some of your goals. What are you hoping to get? What are you, what's your why? And, and they'll say something like, I'm looking to retire and, you know, be able to like work much less and spend all this time traveling with family and like, <laughs> if you want to do what I'm doing and retire at the same time, unfortunately, those are two very different things, you know? <laughs> I work a lot. So, yeah. <laughs> really starting from that distinction, there are really truly passive ways in real estate that, you know, maybe you touch point once a year with your lawyer and that's it. And you're receiving your return and you're happy, right? Uh, but the, there, it, otherwise, you are starting either a side hustle and or a business. And that's the other two options that you have. You're either a passive investor or you're starting a side hustle or a business in real estate. Uh, any of these other strategies are dead. So let's say you've decided, hey, I still have a few years on me. I want to like create this new business. I want to start a new business investing in apartment buildings. Or I want to start, I want to keep my job, but like spend another 10, 15 hours a week on a side hustle uh, in real estate. Okay, so active strategies. Now, how do you decide which strategy to go about? 
Uh, this is going to sound oversimplified potentially, but this is how simple it is. Not easy because there's a process and it requires effort. You're right. <laughs> right. But it's simple in, in the following way. Go with the thing that uh, is, is the least resistant for you. Okay. That's really that sounds simple, but because it is, it goes with whatever feels least resistant. What do I mean by that? Whenever you think you need to be doing something and you keep trying to do it and you're struggling and you don't want to do it and you never make time for it and you're like, oh, like, let's say you you, you hear somebody talking about, hey, I do STRs, I do short-term rentals and you're like, okay, how do you do that? Okay, this is how you do it. You sit down, you got to analyze this many properties a day and you want to whatever it is. And you're like, okay, so now I'm going to learn how to run the numbers so I can start analyzing the five properties a day. Let's say you're sitting down in the day and you absolutely cannot make yourself do it. You're just not enjoying it. You're like, oh, but I have to because that's what somebody told me I need to be doing. I'd say that is not for you. <laughs> that's a very clear sign and that's not a strategy for you. The strategy that's going to be for you, it's going to be something that from the moment you hear about it, you're like, cool, that sounds cool. Like that sounds exciting. That's interesting. You don't even have to overanalyze the why you find that interesting. You just find it. Pursue that feeling, pursue that desire. Uh, ultimately, I want work to not feel like work. And that's just a play of words here, really. But I want it to feel easy and pleasurable. And I feel that way with what I do. But that takes a lot of clarity on somebody's end to understand, hey, these are my skill sets. That's, this what comes natural to me. And this is what's exciting to me. Because any of the strategies we're saying that you do, uh, if you're if you're a believer in self improvement and constantly learning, you're gonna do well in them. You you will, but you just gotta choose the one that's gonna be the most uh, the best fit for you. Yeah, I know it's a it's a very simple concept, but a lot of time we overanalyze things and uh, <laughs> our our quest. We ask the wrong questions, in my opinion. Right? We sometimes go with, "Oh, what's gonna make me the most money out of out of this?" Which might not. Sure, it's a question to ask, but it might not be the right question to start off thinking about, right? I think there are other intangible things that we should be considering. Um, you know, how much time do you want to allocate? Is it going to be a quick um, and dirty, you know, quick, um, whatever the outcome will be quick out of it? Is it going to be taking number of hours? Do I have to deal with tenants or whatever the situation might be? So I think having a clarity of your yes list and a no list, what goes well with your skill set is uh, such a critical point. Because uh, guess what? I think we start a project just by, oh, you know, I've heard good things about it. But if it doesn't go with your personality, if it doesn't go with who you are as a person, guess what? It's like you're not going to find success in it. Um, I'll take a very simple example. <clears throat> now, when I started as a mortgage advisor, I had to figure out, okay, I'm going to build my business. Obviously, social media, cold calling realtors and stuff like that. That's what we were being coached to do. But I knew that that's not me. That's not how I want to do things. I love having in-person interactions with people. I believe in, you know, solidifying and working with people who have the same aesthetics and values. And that's what's easy for me. Podcasting is easy for me. Like if somebody thinks about podcasting for me, it's like yeah, I can do it while I'm sleeping. Right. And it works well for, for who I am. But ask me to pick a phone and make a cold call to somebody I don't know. 
and I've just seen them active on social media, forget about it. Like that's just not happening. It's not. <laughs> that is a perfect example of that. It's just whatever keeps supernatural and it takes you knowing yourself so well, right? Because it's every person is so unique in how they're going to achieve their goals because there's there isn't one formula. And I love taking courses. I love when it breaks it down for you. But within that process and system, like you will have to find your own way and of exercising and achieving those goals. They're good because it gives you lots of tips and tidbits of like, hey, this is some options and, and some of it will feel perfect for you, uh, but some of it won't. And you're going to have to find your own path to get there just like you did. Exactly. Okay, so uh, once somebody figures out what strategy they want to go with, how do you, like, what are some other things that you would say that, uh, you know, moving along that will help them make a decision about it? So, yeah. Uh, awesome. I'll give you the example of how I got into apartment building. It's just true. Like, how do you, like, go from, in my case, to a new strategy? Um, I was doing the burrs and I started feeling like, and I started feeling like, okay, I feel like I something's got to change. If there's parts of what I'm doing that I'm not enjoying it, I don't want to keep doing it. So I started asking myself the question, how do I scale but do less? That was my question. It's not only was I asking myself that question, I was asking everybody that question. I was like, hey, like, what do you do? Like, oh, I do this. Is it profitable? Yes, it is. How much time do you spend a lot of time? Like, no, that's not really. How do you like scale but do less? Was the question I was asking myself and everybody. Started seeing some common themes in those conversations on the apartment building side. Because apartment buildings really offer you a scale that I don't experience in the in the smaller multifamily. So I'll, again, what one of the four plaques that we were doing was a burr four plaques that we were doing. Took us about six to eight months. I was literally involved in every part of the process there, right? So like I'm the one that's looking for the properties, I'm the one that's underwriting the deals. I'm the one that's dealing with the realtor, offers negotiations. I'm the one that deals with financing. I raise the capital. I project manage the renovations. Then I property management, the property. And then, you know, I refinance. And then, you know, that's, that was me, the level of involvement I was in. We just closed our 50 units, uh, you know, about a month and a half ago. And out of that process, I, I really owned maybe two pieces of the whole process that we're moving, right? I do, I am really involved within on a, on a general, you know, macro level, but we have the deal itself because of the size and the scale, it allows us to hire the, the appropriate people to do those jobs because it's, it's not me. I can't do it all. You know? So we do have project managers. You, you shouldn't be doing all that's that. Exactly. 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 So I really saw the common theme in apartment buildings. So it sparked an interest and it felt right to me, felt exciting, felt like, hey, you know what? This is, this looks, that sounds good to me. Let me keep exploring this. Next thing I did was I contacted everybody that I knew that were in the apartment building space. I really just, I have, I'm so blessed to have such an amazing network of people around me. And I just called a bunch of them. I said, hey, tell me about you own apartment buildings. How did that go? What is it now? What is the actual work that you do? What are the systems you have in place? What's the profitability? How do you like, you know, uh, put it together, the deals? What's the business plan? Just had a ton of conversations to understand if, if, if that sounded like the right strategy to me. 
And it really did. I'm like, actually, this is quite exciting. It makes sense to me after talking to so many people. Uh, my next step is sort of jump in. <laughs> I only want to be about two steps ahead in education than I am on implementation. I cannot be that far ahead because then I don't do anything. You're just too overwhelmed with information and steps. Uh, so I'm, I want to be about two steps ahead in education. Okay, these are your two next steps. Let's let's start doing it. And then I'll learn and then I'll pick up what the two next steps are after that. So that's what we did. We picked up a seven unit apartment building uh, as our first multifamily uh, and really just going through the process of that. Once we decided apartment buildings, the next thing is we decided on the markets uh, and then just started analyzing properties and follow the steps from there. Yeah, excellent, excellent. And um, I think um, somebody can get super involved with all the kind of research because the in, in today's world, we are in information world, right? Like there you put in a topic in YouTube, you Google, wherever you search, and there's like million blogs, million podcasts, million YouTube yes. videos that will come up. I think the key is, like you said, uh, you educate yourself enough, uh, understanding how it works, but then you get into implementation because the key in understanding and learning is through implementation. Um, you know, life will throw uh, curveballs at you and being able to problem solve and move along in the process is the biggest step in uh, in your growth, in your personal growth journey as well, right? Because uh, truth be told, we can read as many books as we want. Uh, we can speak to as many people as we want. Ultimately, it comes down to implementation and execution on any strategy that you're trying to move on. That's right. I, I so agree with that. We can also get stuck in paralysis by analysis, right? Yep. Just like analyzing the, the heck out of something. Hi, <laughs> I trying to help uh, a, a buyer or a client where we had uh, refinanced them uh, last year when the market was still decent um, and, you know, the funds were sitting. Um, it's It's been a year. <laughs> the market has completely shifted. <laughs> They don't qualify for what they would have qualified at that time. Um, but, and you know, too many things have changed between then and now. So uh, not that it, it's not a good opportunity right now. It's just that, you know, it's going to be something different compared to what it would have been back then, right? And by the time, what I'm scared usually, not scared, but what I caution them is now that, you know, this is your new dynamics of, uh, you know, the market. Now don't take too long that again, things start moving in a different direction and you have to re-strategize again, right? So that never changes. So you have to work with the market instead of uh, trying to uh, do things, uh, you know, your wait way. for the perfect timing. Exactly. <laughs> it's never going to be perfect timing. Um, okay, so moving along. Now you mentioned that um, you uh, find finding about the markets. Let's talk about that because that's one of the hardest questions that I get from my listeners, from my clients, is how do we figure out which markets to go in? So what are your thoughts on that? What are some of the key fundamental things that you look in the market um, and make your decision for investments? So and two things about that. One is, let's say you have like no idea. You're just like a brand new investor, and Canada is my, like, it, all of it. That's my playing field. I can literally, <laughs> like, invest anywhere. How do you pick a market? Uh, 
I'm going to go back to what I said about the strategy. I would do it the exact same way. It's ultimately whatever is feeling right to you. There's something about a, a market in the Canada that's going to be like, oh, okay, this market makes sense. It could be, and it's usually, it could be proximity. It could be you have a family member that lives there. It could be, hey, I went there on vacation one day and I loved it. Whatever it is that calls your attention towards that market, start there. Because the alternative of that is now you have to analyze, you know, hundreds of items of data in each market to try to compare, contrast, and now you're making decisions solely based on, you know, a mathematical equation, which is not what really drives people in motivation. So my my theory in that is if you have no idea, then pick something that calls to you for some emotional reason or another. Uh, and then dive into the numbers of that market. Okay, so let's say you have done that. In my case, I'll again exemplify how I got into the private buildings and the market that I did. We invested very heavily in New Brunswick and growing quite a bit as well. How I got to New Brunswick. So um, I, I'm from Brazil. And I, I mentioned my dad's visiting from Brazil. I have a friend, a family who immigrated from Brazil here. And they were they had this two-year um student slash work visa that's a program that immigrants can come to Ontario with uh, so she was in college her husband could work I think part-time uh, and they have she has to, to finish a two-year college then apply for a job and if she gets a job in her industry then she can apply for her PR card uh, I was on the phone with her one day and she mentioned hey I actually there's a bunch of us going to Moncton New Brunswick uh, and there's a bunch of us that are already there and they'd be great. They're like, mom, did you move? Why would you go to Martin Brunswick? There's just, you know, a moment. Um, and she's like, because there, if you, if you, if you get a job, which is, there's a lot of availability job wise, uh, you can get your PR in three months yeah. and I don't have to go to college for two years. And I'm like, that was my first going back to light bulb moments in terms of New Brunswick. I'm like, oh. That's actually very interesting. So I looked into it and they have this really amazing immigration pilot program there that really opens doors to immigrants to come in the country, sorry, to come into the country, but to the province specifically and get employed and have, you know, quickness of paperwork and be able to receive their their status there. Um, that was how New Brunswick came across my <laughs> radar for investing specifically. From then on, I started asking people and talking about it. Hey, who, who invests in New Brunswick? I want to understand the markets. I met a, who is now my business partner in New Brunswick. Uh, his name is Ben. I met him on a mastermind that I was a part of and he was investing in New Brunswick. So we had a ton of conversations about it. We talked about our mutual interest in investing there. And starting looking more and more closely to the markets. Now, the metrics that I'm going to look at. Now that I've invested in both Ontario and New Brunswick, I have a new metric that I didn't before when I first started looking there, which is landlord friendliness. Mm-hmm. Uh, now that I've had the contrast between the two provinces, it's so hard to look back to a <laughs> province that's so, so stringent with the landlord regulations. Um, just just really limits in, in, in for everybody. It just puts um, puts landlords and, and 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 tenants in a situation of conflict instead of resolution. You know. Uh, anyway, so so that has become a new criteria for me. You know, working in provinces that are more landlord friendly. Uh, 
But then I'm looking at price per unit. I'm looking at cap rates. I want something, you know, uh, between 5 and 7%. That's really the range of cap that I'm looking at. Uh, I can go higher. And there is value in going to, for a 9 to 10% cap rate. That means your cash flow is going to be better. Um, but that also means there isn't as much appreciation in the market. So, so that's somewhere between 5 and 7, you get a sweet spot. You still have cash flow but you also have some appreciation in the markets. Uh, I love the price per unit, our 50 units. We purchased for $85,000 per unit there, which is, you know, still really good. Uh, we look at on the metrics. Obviously, I want to make sure vacancy rate's a big one. Is there a population to be renting these units? I know I've looked at some uh, locations in Alberta where vacancy rate's like 15%. And I'm not saying those don't work. It's just a different strategy and different things you have to look at. Right now, all of our buildings are fully tenanted in New Brunswick. We operate them with a very low vacancy, but that's just the movement of, of interest uh, that's been happening there and low, low housing. So that's some of the bigger metrics I look into when I'm looking for a market. Yeah. Now, what are some risks uh, involved uh, when you're going into such big um, 50 build, uh, 50 unit apartment building? Uh, what are some risks associated to uh, a strategy like that? So like, that's a good question. Uh, I think in terms of the, I, the biggest risk that you would experience is one is not being able to close on the building. So obviously we're talking about much higher numbers. We had to do a 2.6. $2.6 million raise for that project, right? Let's say we didn't raise the funds and for some reason or another couldn't close on the building. Between my business partner and I would probably be losing about $150,000 there, right? So uh, just from the due diligence and in deposits and everything that went that were involved in that. Um, so that's a risk. I find that people uh, be able to make sure you have a good plan for if you are raising capital, what that's going to look like to bringing in investors. And I think any any other risk related would be operation. So uh, for in which which I feel really confident in that area. So that's why I'm like, doesn't feel like a risk to me. But if I think of in a general investor, uh, what makes or breaks a multifamily deal is operations. Uh, people put a lot of focus on finding the right deal. And I'm not not taking that away obviously like you have it has to be a good deal the numbers need to make sense it has to be enough of an uplift but none of that will matter unless you can actually implement going back to the implementation piece so the biggest risk factor is not having a strong enough operations team in place to actually manage the building well make sure renovations are going well budgets timelines this is our today, our greatest advantage is having an in-house uh, property management team, uh, as well as the experienced project management to be able to go through our projects uh, and manage them and make sure that they're actually fulfilling what we originally predicted that they would within anything that's inside our control. So make sure that if you are investing in private buildings, that you have a strong operations team, uh, or if you're investing passively, that the Whoever is asset management, managing your buildings have a strong uh, operations background. Yeah, no, 100%. And I find, uh, especially it might, it, it might be more legible for 
Alberta, but I think Alberta market is uh, changing as well. At some point, it was heavily dependent on oil and gas. Like that was the only industry that we knew of. But uh, now, hopefully, uh, you know, they're kind of diversifying, especially in Calgary. Like we're seeing more IT company coming, companies coming. Some of the banks are making some investments there as well. So we might see an uptick. We're already seeing an uptick in that market. I see so many um, clients of mine who are on work permit, they are moving from here, from Ontario and going to Calgary because um, Calgary or Alberta does not charge that non-resident uh, tax, which unfortunately Alberta, oh, sorry, Ontario and BC charges. So this is like a perfect opportunity for them to at least own a home as a starter home. They can always decide to come back to Ontario if uh, you know that's in, in the works in the future, but it needs to get into the market. We can do go ahead, do that. How do you kind of figure out how the specific province or the area that you're investing in, they're diversifying? So Moncton, it sounds from, I, I know a little bit about Moncton that there are some strong um, companies that have, uh, you know, their offices there. I think there are a couple of uh, government agencies as well in Moncton. They have their offices in in there. So sounds like it, it is a long term, uh, you know, rental friendly market. Uh, but what are some of the other industries? Like, how do you go about that kind of research? Like you had a partner in this deal who was local, I'm assuming, in Moncton or they were making investments there. Yeah, so actually Ben uh, is originally from BC and moved from BC to New Brunswick and now lives in St. John, New Brunswick, uh, to grow our portfolio there and his own personal portfolio as well. So two ways, really, honestly, like the government provides a ton of information. I don't think it's like that all over the world, but in Canada, we do have that advantage. So I'm literally doing a Google search of like, who are the biggest players in the industry? Uh, what's the, the unemployment rate? What are some of the overall arching um, concepts and market trends? You know, that's what I'm looking at there for information. Um, but I'm a very, I'm like you, I'm, 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 I learn from conversations more than anything. So I will contact any major players in the market. Who do I want to talk to? I want to talk to commercial brokers and I want to talk to commercial brokers that have a lot of volume. I want to talk to lenders. Uh, that do a lot of volume. So I want to talk to uh, uh, mortgage brokers. I want to talk to uh, the commercial brokers and the realtor side. I want to talk to property managers that manage, you know, a few thousand units. And uh, I want to talk to everybody because they are in the industry that I'm, you know, looking to get into local there. And they will know a lot of information. They did. They certainly did. And they're like, hey, there's this new development happening. Happening Lakeshore and St. John, we're talking about billions of dollars that both the country, federal, and provincial levels are investing here. This project, and they, they talked about the pilot immigration program that's happening, how many immigrants are flowing in. They talked about the trends in the market and what they've been seeing over the last, they've been operating there for their whole life. So they, they're telling me what they've been seeing, what the shifts in the market that have happened, the trends they're coming in. What the banks are thinking about, the amount of investments that different institutions are doing locally. So I learned a ton and got really excited about, you know, the prospects of, of, of what's happening out there. 
uh, and the fact that it's still affordable enough, uh, but has enough trends that, that you know, of investments back into the province that uh, was was good enough for me to make that call. Yeah, no, that's when that's fantastic. Uh, it's funny that you say it as you made a comment that uh, you learn similar to how I do is that with conversations and stuff like that. Something funny that I'd like to share whenever my husband shares an article, like he's the reading guy, like he will read, read, read. And that's how he adapts and learns. I'm sure there are other ways that he he learns too. As soon as he sends me an article, I'm like, please just tell me like three main points of this article that's in the kiss. I will not be able to make any sense. <laughs> Now, other books, <laughs> but articles are sometimes, you know, uh, they're pretty subjective in my opinion. That's right. I, I feel the same way. Yeah. Yeah. Now, while we are ready to kind of uh, wrap up today's uh, show, any final thoughts that you want to share, Adriana, with our, with our listeners, with our audience for today? Yeah, sure. I, I think, uh, I mean, if you're, if you're listening to this and you're searching, uh, to either improve or starting a real estate journey. Real estate has been really life-changing for me. It is an absolute uh, powerful investment vehicle to create wealth generation and, and change your financial life. Uh, I'd say spend a ton of time with people that are like-minded. I'd say spend a ton of time gaining clarity on who you are and what you're trying to accomplish uh, by getting involved in real estate. And they get very excited about it and live in that excitement of doing things because then it becomes enjoyable. The process is, is, is all we have. All we have is uh, a daily, you know, a daily, every day and, and being able to operate that day uh, and operate it the best that you can in, in your lifestyle. And I think one thing I'd like to add is um, don't think that problems would kind of go away. And uh, don't look at the problems that, you know, they're going to drown your day or, oh, my God, not to deal with this. It just means that you're growing. You're going to the next level and find peace with it and uh, just have fun solving these problems because bigger you get change in strategy or whatever it might be. I'm sure there's like billion things come off on your table every day and you have become an expert in problem solving because that's what problem solving does when you're stretching yourself, when you are expanding yourself, um, you, you are not dealing with the same problems. So uh, the problems will change, but guess what? There's always a solution. There has been a solution even before the problem existed. There is always somebody who has solved that problem. So don't give up. You just need to figure out uh, a way to solve it or who can solve it for you. So. Anyways, just wanted to add that to your spiel. <laughs> I love it, especially the last sentence there. We'll get solving for you. That's my new go-to. Uh, focused all this year on team building and and who not howling my life. So awesome tip. Yeah, perfect. So how can uh, people reach out to you? What's uh, Where do you hang out on social? What's the best way to connect? Yeah, so my name, Adriana Ostapenko, I'm on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, <laughs> there's a few places out there, but the very best way is just get in touch with me, book a discovery call, I'd love to meet you. Uh, if there's anything I can add to your life, I'd love to, uh, but just love connecting and networking as well. 
Perfect. Sounds good. Thank you so much for your time today, Adriana. This was such a pleasure. And we'll have your contact information and everything on our show notes as well. Okay. Amazing. Thank you so much for having me. Thanks. Have a great day. So there you go, my friends. I hope you had a bunch of takeaways from this episode. Adriana really breaks down for us how she decides which market to go to. What's her process of exploring that specific market, that asset, and ultimately decides on investing in that specific area. Now, that's all for today. I hope you have a great day, a great week, and we shall see you next time.